Miracy. And when I started to hear that story repeated over and over again, I experienced a real shift from this is possibly quite an interesting course to do with people to I'm on a mission. I don't want people to be feeling like this. Hello, and welcome to Course Lab, the show that teaches course creators like you how to make better online courses. I'm Abe Crystal, co-founder of Rizuku, and I'm here with my co-host, Danny Eaney, the founder and CEO of Miracy. In each episode, we showcase a course and course creator who's doing something really interesting with their course. Our guest today is Mary Duggan. Mary is a creative coach and artist. She coaches individuals and groups of people to become their best selves. Mary, welcome to Course Lab. Hi there. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, great to have you and really interested to share with everyone some of the cool and interesting things you're doing with your course. But before we dive into really specific details, let's kind of give everyone the lay of the land. So can you give us kind of the 30,000 foot view of yourself and your work, you know, how you came to online courses and uh, what's the course that you're working on currently? So yeah, just kind of tell us your story. I had a career that I really adored. I worked in the English National Health Service for about 30 years, helping people to change things for the better. But then about six years ago now, I was made redundant. And after I stopped reeling from the shock of it, because it was quite a shock, I then started to think, what can I do? And eventually found that coaching felt like the right sort of niche, but I was having real difficulty in sort of niching down and working out how to help people effectively. And I suddenly had this light bulb moment where I realized what kind of person I do my best work with are people with a very creative mindset. They're people who have more ideas than they know what to do with. They tend to bounce around all over the place and not get as much done as they believe they should be able to, and indeed, as they could do. Yeah, so tell us a little bit more about the specific course you came up with, Mastering Overwhelm, and yeah, how does that help people? I realized through the research interviews that I was doing that people absolutely struggled with overwhelm. But people struggle in different ways. And the people I do my best work with, as I said, they have lots of ideas, lots of things they want to do, and they struggle to prioritize them. They often also have multiple other responsibilities. And my ideal client is more likely to be a woman than a man. One of the things that was absolutely common through all of the interviews that I did talking to women who struggle with overwhelm was that they set themselves a really high bar. They set themselves very high standards. And then they all do the same thing. At the end of the day, they look at what they've achieved. And truly, they they don't see what they have achieved. They see what they haven't achieved. And they beat themselves up for not having got over this impossibly high bar. And then the next day, they do it all over again. And When I started to hear that story repeated over and over again, I experienced a real shift from this is possibly quite an interesting course to do with people to I'm on a mission. I don't want people to be feeling like this. So there was that real emotional shift for me that ratcheted everything up a notch and started to reshape how I thought I was going to deliver the course. 
because when I started thinking about it, I have to admit I had quite a mechanistic approach and I was drawing a lot from my project management experience. I was drawing a lot from my experience of teaching people lean techniques, which come from production and industry. And what I'd been missing was the whole mindset thing. And it was those interviews that helped me see that systems and processes are half of what my ideal clients need, but the other half is working on the inner saboteurs that they have that hold them back from getting things done. So over the course of just a few weeks, my picture of how the course would be really transformed itself. And so often too, one of the challenges with courses on sort of personal growth and mindset and related topics is like thinking about how to package and price them. Where did you land in, in terms of how you positioned the course and what you priced it at? And how has your experience been you know, getting people to enroll? Uh, that's such a good question. I know so many of us really struggle with pricing and it is difficult. Um, I do remember a coach some years ago telling me that if I felt comfortable with a price, I was probably underpricing myself. So I did a micro pilot and I agonized and I charged £99 for a six week course, which I think anybody will agree is a ridiculously low price. But they were my friends. Then I ran it as a proper pilot and I priced it at $497, confident that nobody, of course, would buy it at that price. And then people did buy it. And people were quite happy, quite happy to pay that price. So actually, my next iteration, I've done it at that price a couple of times, and my next iteration, I'm re-engineering the structure of the course. I'm changing the duration of the course. And I'm going to be changing the price as well. And I will be increasing it to $997. I won't say I feel totally relaxed, laid back and comfortable about it. I won't do until I've tested it out. But I'm not going through agonies over it either. That's fantastic. And how many people signed up at the $497 price point? I've had nine people at that price point. Wonderful. And all of them stayed the course. Very cool. Congratulations. Yeah, I was thrilled with the progress they made, um, with the value that they got, and with the real changes that they've made in the way they approach their workload. So speaking of that, can you, that also is often one of the big challenges with, again, courses around mindset and personal growth and changing behavior is getting people to actually you know, adopt <laughs> what you're suggesting they do. So can you walk us through some of the interesting things that you put in place to help your students, you know, get the work done, apply your techniques? I've used a really straightforward approach. I drip feed the content. So people get a week's content at a time and I send them an email to remind them that the content is there. And then towards the end of the week, Thursdays work well. I have a group coaching session live on Zoom. The material is a mixture of videos and workbooks. Um, 
during the coaching session, it's their opportunity to either explore the bits they didn't understand, the bits they're stuck with, or to dive into some of the challenges that they're experiencing with the mindset work. But one thing that I found really useful to back that up is to have as active a Facebook group as I can get in support of it. So people getting prompts on a Monday, what are your big goals for the week? They're getting prompts on a Wednesday, hey, how's it all going? And then they're getting prompts again on a Friday about celebrating what they've achieved. So there's lots and lots of input. The Facebook group works really well because people get to know each other in the face-to-face coaching sessions, which I do on Zoom. And then they really enjoy supporting and encouraging each other. And quite often I found that somebody would ask a question in the Facebook group, you know, hey, there's, there's this thing I don't quite understand. And before I could get to it and answer them, one of the other group members would have answered it for them, which of course reinforces their learning as well. Mm-hmm. I did make one change though, a tiny tweak. I was posting the training content on a Monday, then having the group on a Thursday. And then one of the group members said, do you know, it'd be so much nicer if we could access this on Saturday so we could have the whole weekend to work on it. And I was thinking, ah, now you say it, that's really obvious. So all the way through, I've tried to be guided by what people are responding to really well or what people are struggling with. Awesome. And Mary, can you tell us about the half-day work-alongs that you're doing as part of the course? Oh, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned those. On the first proper pilot that I did, There was one particular concept that I was teaching. I call it action chains, and it's how to take a big goal and break it down into doable steps, and then how to link it to your daily priorities. And people were kind of getting it, but not quite. And it's really, really important that they do understand it, and more than that, that they're able to actually operate it. So it was just a total off-the-cuff moments in one of the group coaching sessions, I said, well, hey, why don't we do a mini workshop, do a little work along on it. You guys all turn up on Zoom on Saturday afternoon, and I will take you through it step by step. And it was wonderful because we had the time. We, we'd set aside three, three and a half hours. We had the time to break it down into its tiniest little parts. And we had time for people to say, hang on a minute, not quite sure I'm doing the right thing. Because of the visual aspect of Zoom as well, I could literally show people how I was doing it. It involves a lot of sticky notes. And I could see people's expressions change as the light bulbs went on. They'd go from looking a bit puzzled to suddenly having this big grin saying, oh, now I see it. Now I get it. So by the end of this session, everybody had at least one complete action chain that they could start putting into operation that day. And so that was such a powerful experience. People got really excited about it. And so I've decided that I'm building that into each of the Mastering Overwhelm programs that I do from now on. Yeah, it sounds like it was it was really powerful and effective for people. 
So it sounds like another approach that you used was kind of around framing or how your approaches were presented. Um, You'd mentioned that a lot of productivity approaches are kind of masculine, right? Or, you know, they might be using terms like, you know, smash your productivity or dominate procrastination. And you're taking a very different approach. How did you come to this kind of different approach? And what impact did you see that having with people, you know, that that you were talking about productivity in a different way? That's really interesting. I found that the language that is more about the more aggressive language, I find off-putting and makes me feel a bit anxious. And so I started to wonder if it makes other people like me feel anxious. And I did start talking to people who were in my ideal client group and found that a lot of them were experiencing the same thing. But also there were things like in traditional productivity approaches, a lot of them talk about you know that golden hour at the beginning of the day and you make that sacred and you do you get up and you read a an improving book for 30 minutes and go and get your exercise in this, that, and the other. And I thought about the clients I work with and I thought, well, that's just, that's not going to happen. They've got so many other things that they're responsible for. And I also recognize tendencies within myself. In the past, I've tried using schedulers and scheduled my whole week within an inch of its life. So my schedule will say at 9.30, write content for your newsletter. And then at 9.30, I might get a call from somebody or I might not just feel like starting work. And then if you don't get the 9.30 piece of work done at 9.30, you've just thrown your entire week out. So I recognized that I needed an approach that was completely different, that was flexible that people wouldn't get thrown off if something in their life suddenly changed. Because again, with a lot of my clients, they have to be very responsive to things in the moment. Some of them are freelancers, some of them are parents, and sometimes they need to be able to just drop what they're doing and pivot and start doing something completely different. So I had to come up with something that would work for that, which I did based on a really simple lean technique. But I also had to be able to work with the mindset around, and it's okay to work like that. So while I've created a system, I've created a system that's very, very simple, that can be personalized very, very easily, and that isn't kind of laying down the law in a really aggressive way, like do this exactly how I tell you or disaster will happen. Though I must admit, I do have a couple of unbreakable rules, but they're very, very simple ones. So I've thought about what works for me. I've talked to people who I love working with and listened to what works for them and found that actually, yeah, there are some people who want a drill sergeant. There are some people who respond really, really well to a drill sergeant. I'm not one of them. My ideal clients aren't either, and they respond better to something that's much gentler, much more flexible, and creates space for their creativity. That was really great. 
Dave, do you have any other questions that you want to ask? No, I think I'm good. All right, so I will do the readout line. Mary Duggan is a creative coach and artist. She coaches individuals and groups to become their best selves. You can find her at cockleshellcreative.com. That's C-O-C-K-L-E shellcreative.com. Now stick around for my favorite part of the show, where Abe and I will pull out the very best insights and practical takeaways for you to take and apply to your own course. All right, Danny, time for the debrief. A really, really interesting course here that kind of takes a a different approach to personal growth and productivity. So yeah, what were some of the things that were standing out for you with Mary's course? Well, the first thing that really jumped out to me was the extent to which the design of the course was really informed by the market research. And I know that's how it's always supposed to be. And this is what you and I tell people to do all day, every day. And yet there is still a tendency to kind of skip that part. And it's like, no, 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 I know what people should want, or I know what they need. And yet Mary gave this great example of she knew what her expertise is. She knew the area in which she wanted to be working. And yet she went into the market research really with an open mind and not just the focus, but also the passion for the course really came from what she learned and discovered through that market research. I thought that was a really powerful takeaway. Yeah, you kind of stole my point there. I was going to say essentially the same thing in the way that, like the way that her course was really informed by a deep understanding of her participants, not by making assumptions. Another way to to think about it, I guess, is we often talk about the importance of having a strong point of view when designing your course so that you're not creating something that is wishy-washy or generic. You're creating something that is unique, it's strong, it's distinctive, and it's for some people and not for some other people. And I think one of the strengths of Mary's approach is she really has that strong and unique point of view. She's not trying to just make a productivity course. She's creating something that is really based on what she cares about. Like she described herself as being on a mission. And it's based on having a lot of empathy for these very real problems that her clients are experiencing. And that flows through into a course design and approaches that are really tuned for those clients that might not work for another type of productivity course, right? Like someone who's trying to do productivity for, you know, high-powered executives in big corporations, this approach Mary takes that's very gentle and focused on, you know, the whole, um, you know, brain and body would not fly in that context, but it's just right and incredibly effective for her specific audience. Yeah, there was a lot about the architecture of the course that really flows out of what she knows about her audience. So, you know, the the balance of content and mindset is very much a function of, you know, what she knows her audience and her target customer really needs. I also really liked the fact that in a lot of ways, it's a very typical course format, right? You know, she's got a lesson every week for a bunch of weeks. She delivers the training and people get the content. And there's the Q&A call and there's the Facebook group. Like, it's all very typical structure. But then with that added twist of these half-day work-long sessions on Zoom, which came up directly as a function of what the audience was expressing that they needed. 
Um, and it, it's a very powerful way to roll up your sleeves, get your hands dirty, see those ahas in the eyes and faces of the students since you're right there with them on Zoom. Um, I really like that that way of getting into it with the students. And of course, when you, you know, the idea of, oh, three and a half hours, it's a lot of time on a call. But when you spread that across all of the students in the program, it's actually not that much time that you're allocating on a per student basis. Right. It's it's a it's still a leveraged model if you're able to serve a group of students and you know they're each making an, an investment in the program. She talked about raising her price to almost a thousand dollars. So you know, even serving a small group of people at that price point, it's still a very good use of time. Awesome. I don't have anything else, do you? Uh, no, I think I'm good. All right, so I'll do the readout. Thank you for listening to Course Lab. I'm Danny Eme, founder and CEO here at Miracy, and I'm here with Abe Crystal, co-founder and CEO of Rizuku. This episode of Course Lab was produced by Cynthia Lamb. Michi Lance and Jeff Govertson assembled the episode. Danny Amy, that's me, is our executive producer. Big thanks to Mary Duggan for taking the time to share her passion about her course. You can find out more about her at cockleshellcreative.com. That's C-O-C-K-L-E shellcreative.com. To be sure you don't miss the really great episodes that are coming up on this season of Course Lab, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. And if you like the show, please leave us a starred review. It's the best way to help us get these ideas to more people. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. All right, are you ready? Wait, what's my cue? It's a behind-the-scenes kind of thing. Hello, and welcome to Just Between Coaches, the podcast that tackles difficult coaching conversations head on. I'm Melinda Cohen, and your host for this show. I also know that I'm listening when, again, my mind is relaxed. So I can almost sense that I'm listening on multiple levels. That's a great frame. That's a, that's a really great way to think about it. Um, I think so, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, because I think that something that is very dangerous is for people to think that being a great coach comes from having the credentials. One has nothing to do with the other. So again, part of it is just, you know, either through questions or asking what they've tried, or sometimes it's, you know, the forest for the trees thing. My favorite part of having the hard conversation is... Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, so while I love what's on the other side, I think navigating through that conversation is my favorite part. Yeah, because we're not there necessarily as coaches to provide solutions. We're there to guide our people towards solutions. And I don't know if it's, you know, societal pressure or peer pressure, but we don't want to look like we don't know what we're doing. I want to help and support coaches so that they can evolve into their greatness.
my desire for the show is if I could scoop up all of the coaches and bring them into my living room and bring up the topics that leave crinkles in our forehead so that we can fully understand what it means to show up in our greatness, fully confident so that we can build better businesses, so that we can be better coaches, so that we can make a lasting impact on this world collectively. And we want to rise to that level. That being said, you do want to set yourself up and your clients up for success by making sure that there is clarity around their expectations and your expectations as to how you can help them. People have to know a little bit about what you offer. Otherwise, how do they know that they need what you can help them with in terms of that transformation? And I love having the conversations and navigating the topics that keep us at the forefront in a time with what I call the results revolution. Yeah, well, first of all, I just want to start by saying that this is a really good problem to have, right? So if you have someone who's resisting your price, it means they're really interested in working with you. The thing is, sometimes it becomes negative. It becomes toxic. I've been in the coaching industry for almost 20 years now. And over these years, I have seen everything behind the scenes in our industry, everything that works, everything that doesn't work. I've seen the evolution of our industry and of what it means to be a coach. I just want to say to all the coaches out there, you know, matching who you are to the kind of coach that you want to be is just a practice. Do you want to add some parting words? No, I think you did great. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. This is Melinda Cohen, and you've been listening to Just Between Coaches. You'll find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yeah, this is absolutely the tone, the feel, the everything. Okay, so I'm going to stop the recording now. <laughs> Why are you stopping the recording? <laughs> this is going to be fun. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's a wrap. That is going to be an amazing session.